Hi there, rugby fans. So it's Jeremy Springer back once again with my views from the lineout. Apologies that this one has been a little bit late, um, and a lot of rugby stuff has happened since the last podcast as well. So it could be quite a lengthy episode. We'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, so yeah, we're really going to talk mainly about the British and Irish Lions tour, uh, the England match versus Argentina that just happened this weekend in Argentina as well as a really quick roundup and overview of the Aviva Premiership final that happened as well. So lots of amazing games and lots of really incredible rugby stuff that's been going on and happening all at the same time. And really, um, really, you know, the main stuff is the British and Irish and Lions, sorry, British and Irish Lions tour. So we'll start with that. But before we really get into it, um, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you're really enjoying it, you're liking it, uh, please, you know, subscribe and rate to it in iTunes, SoundCloud, you know, all the other different formats for it. I think we're on TuneIn Radio now as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, so at Jeremy Springall, and that is J-E-R-E-M-Y-S-P-R-I-N-G-A-L-L. And also search Views from the Line Out in Facebook, and you'll see the Facebook page and everything I put up on there is basically can also be found at my own website which is www.jeremyspringall.wordpress.com um so yeah so come and check it out so we can start a conversation going and all of that kind of stuff uh, i'd love to hear your opinions and if you like what you're hearing then yeah subscribe and rate that'd be awesome but really into the british and irish lions so we had on the 3rd of june they they basically arrived in new zealand a couple of days beforehand um, and they had their first tour match against the Provincial Union 15, or the New Zealand Barbarians, as they're kind of known as. Um, there was an interesting subplot to this, and that Warren Gatlin, the coach of the Lions, his son was actually playing for the New Zealand Barbarians at Fly Half. So it was quite an interesting one. And a lot of these kind of New Zealand Barbarians players kind of trying to break into sort of provincial and uh, super rugby franchises and things like that. But they, some of them, for instance, the captain, Sam Anderson Heather, I believe he has like a full-time day job as well. So they're kind of semi-pro in a way. So you would have thought the Lions would have absolutely tonked them considering they're all internationals in the lineup. You have a lot of experience from previous Lions tours in there that were starting, such as Rory Best, Alan Wynne-Jones, uh, Warburton, Faletau, Hogg, uh, Sexton. You know, so loads of experience. But unfortunately, it kind of flattered to deceive in a way with the Lions only winning 13-7 against New Zealand Barbarians. And there are a number of sort of reasons that were trotted out for this. Um, jet lag being the major one because they only flew into New Zealand two days previously, and the time difference is pretty big. Um, I think it's like six hours, something like that, from the UK. Um, so, yeah, and really, if you're going to use that excuse, you can only use it once. They still got a win. They scored, Anthony Watson scored the first try of the tour. Sexton really flattered to deceive as well. He didn't play so well off this. Farrell came on and really started to give some direction to the team and really got them going in the right direction. Players that stood out, Ben Teo looked like you know, he was making breaks. He was carrying well, putting players in the space. Carl Sinclair as well. And Ross Moriarty really like up the ante on it. There was some amazing defense there by Teilupe Falatao. Uh, on the Lions try line to prevent an almost certain score and yeah it's good to see him looking class and kind of picking up where he w- was leaving off uh, at the end of the Aviva Premiership season with Bath 
Stuart Hogg didn't and didn't seem to play too well. I heard Andrew Merton saying he quite liked Tommy Seymour's effort and that he was busy and things, so we'll have to keep an eye on him to see how he goes. But really, um, it was just a, an early run out and a lack of continuity could be partly put down to the fact that players haven't been together very long. But then the New Zealand Barbarians had only been together for one or two weeks as well. So it kind of negates that sort of arguments at the same time. Um, so, well, they won at least. The, seat, the tour got off to a winning start, which is always good news. And then second up were the, the Blues um against the british and irish lions so this was on the 7th of june so four days later and gatlin basically named a side of no players that had started in the previous game so he's trying to give everyone a start um as the kind of tour goes on for the first three games he said everyone will start the blues lineup has a number of kind of new zealand internationals in it so all blacks so charlie falmina um akira ioni could be in there stephen luatua Sonny Bill Williams, definitely the biggest name in that sort of lineup for the Blues. So some serious skill and ability in it. And then the Lions, you know, I was particularly looking forward to seeing how CJ Stander was going to do. Mara Toje and Courtney Laws as well. Uh, Reese Webb, I thought could be really interesting. Jack Nowell as well. Um, because you had players like Lee Halfpenny, who you've seen play for the Lions before, where you're like, yeah, okay, I know he's going to do all right. And then Dan Cole and, you know, having watched a lot of international rugby from these guys as well, you kind of can get a feel for how they're potentially going to play the game. And it was good to see James Haskell, you know, late call up to the tour due to injury of Billy Vinopola getting his start. And actually he did fairly well in carrying. He carried pretty well, dropped off one or two tackles. But yeah, I thought he, he did pretty well. The line speed of Mario Toje in defense was really impressive. But I think based on the result that they got against... Um, the New Zealand Barbarians, they're hoping for probably a bit more continuity in attack, an aggressive defence, and um, really it seemed like they had a bit of madness around about half-time, which is where Williams scored his try, so Sonny Bill, uh, he had a great like return from injury, really. He, a couple of turnovers, a few massive hits in midfield, and then popping up for uh, a penalty that came off the post, Sort of went a bit wild, everyone went a bit crazy and Sonny Bill managed to get his hands on it and dot it down to put the Blues into a lead just before half-time, uh, 12-10 lead. Um, players that sort of, I don't know, Jack Nile had a bit of a torrid time, unfortunately. He got given the runaround by Reiko Ione. Um, so hopefully seeing him play against um, the Highlanders coming up, I think it is, uh, on Tuesday of the week, uh, he'll do a bit better fingers crossed Elliot Daly didn't really get any ball to see anything Dan Bigger went off early on with a, a headache a HIA so Sexton came on again didn't really like take control of the game as you'd hope he would um so yeah it was kind of a strange performance but basically the final score was the Blues 22 and the British and Irish Lions 16 so a defeat for what is arguably um the least performing side out of the New Zealand Super Rugby franchises. But that's kind of like, you've got to take that with a pinch of salt because actually the Blues, uh, the Highlanders, the uh, Crusaders and the Hurricanes, you know, they're, they're really good quality sides within, <laughs> and the Chiefs as well. They're all top of like, near the top of the Super Rugby table. Um, so when you say they're the worst of the New Zealand sides, you've got to bear in mind they're probably better than most of the Australian teams and the South African teams as well. So it's still a big sort of team to come up against and a hard, hard game it was always going to be. 
but it'll be disappointing from the British and Irish Lions as it's kind of the first defeat on tour, but also it's the first time a Super Rugby franchise has kind of um, from New Zealand has beaten them as well. So a lot of uh, bragging rights to the Blues, and Sonny Bill might have just played his way back into that All Black starting fifteen potentially as well. So yeah, we'll see. He's, he's a bit of a brute, and uh, my God, can he play the game at the same time? So then next up, so this game happened on the 10th of June, so only really yesterday, uh, was the Crusaders. And this was always going to be a tall order because they're unbeaten this season, so 14 wins from 14 games. uh, For away teams playing against the Crusaders from outside of New Zealand, so anyone but the New Zealand franchises, they've only lost twice, I think it is, in like the last 50 games. Uh, drawn one so they've got a hell of a record at home and um, the Crusaders Christchurch is still kind of reading from the earthquake a few years ago so the locals really look to their team as something to kind of as a beacon of hope to get behind and show their strength as as a an area and things like that and um, or you know arguably the Crusaders are the best um, kind of of the Super Rugby franchises for New Zealand. And if you look at the kind of lineup, they had an All Blacks front row. They had some White Lock as well. You know, so some really big players. And this was going to be a true stern test for them. Israel Dag was in there as well. Young guy, Good Hugh in the centres, was playing really well. Uh, Matt Todd, arguably a very unlucky player to miss out on selection for the squad for the New Zealand All Blacks first to play the lines in the tests. So he was definitely like itching to show his worth. Um, it was the first start on tour for George North um, and Owen Farrell as well as Mako Vinopolo, Jamie George and Ty Furlong. George Cruz again, first start. Peter Omani, Sean O'Brien as well. Um, so the Lions team looked like it was fully packed up actually. You had some really big guys in there with North, Davis and Teo in the back line. Uh, you then in the forwards, wow, you just got to look at that, right? O'Brien, Cruz... Wynne Jones, Furlong, George and Mako, and Peter Armani, they're all massive guys who are just going to hit hard and give give their all and also hopefully get a rumble on for the Lions at the same time. And uh, so I woke up uh, to see the scoreline because the time difference here is is enormous. Um, and actually, I was super, super impressed to see that it was 12-3 because, uh, to the Lions this is. So Lions victory... It was really well needed. They needed to really get the tour back on track because if they hadn't, then the knives would have been out for the New Zealand press. It would have put the pressure on the squad. It would have just been started to really ratchet up leading into those tests. But it was great because defensively, they tightened up much more. They looked much more impressive. The Crusaders average over 30 points a game for anyone they're playing. So to only concede three, and that was all in the first half as well, was was pretty impressive. Um, it was a really suffocating defence from from the Lions, as you'd expect, no less from being coached by Andy Farrell. Um, players that really stood out, Connor Murray and Owen Farrell, their partnership looked to click almost instantly. So that's really good. Cruz dominated the line out, absolutely dominated it. Teo was carrying really well. It was unfortunate to see Davis and Hogg go off injured quite early on. But when he came on, Anthony Watson was looking fantastic at fullback. So... He could be a wild card to start in the fullback position from there. Sean O'Brien as well. Bullock in display. He has really put Sam Warburton under pressure. So the next game for Warburton is going to be really key to see how he kind of progresses from it. 
but O'Brien certainly put his hand up and that could mean that captaincy passes potentially to Alan Wynne-Jones who had captained in the third test on the tour to Australia the last time round. Um, so we'll definitely have to see how we go about that. But Farrell was controlling proceedings like there was no tomorrow. And, you know, he's going to be a player where he's really stepped up since the last tour where he was quite young when he went on it, learned a lot probably from Johnny Sexton on that tour and has now taken it to a whole new level. And he's going to be one to watch for the All Blacks, for sure. They're going to want to get to him early and try and put him under pressure. But he is cool, calm and collected and just seems to be able to deal with it all anyway. But um, yeah, injuries to Stuart Hogg. He's gonna he, he got elbowed by Connor Murray, um, his own teammate. It was a weird one. Um, but he's got to go and have a scan to see kind of if he can even continue on the tour. Jonathan Davis um, was a HIA, so he wasn't allowed back on. So we'll have to see how he kind of progresses because he was looking to you know, especially at the end of the season with the Scarlets, he was coming into real form, good running game. And looks like he could be really back up to the level he was a number of years ago, which is only good news for the Lions. So we'll have to see how they go. But um, yeah, next up is the Highlanders uh, in Dunedin on Tuesday. And so this is the fourth of the six warm-up game before the first of the three tests. And it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting to see where they kind of go on that, to be honest with you. Because... There's a number of players who have done fantastically well recently and he's going to kind of not want to have a complete separation between the test team and the guys who aren't going to be in it. So his uh, Lions squad to play them are Jarrah Payne, Jack Now, Jonathan Joseph, Robbie Henshaw, Tommy Seymour, Dan Bigger, Reese Webb, Joe Marler, Rory Best, Carl Sinclair, Courtney Laws, Ian Henderson, uh, James Haskell, Sam Warburton and CJ Stander. So that's interesting. Payne's moved to fullback. Um, the centres of Joseph and Henshaw would be quite interesting. Now there's a chance to re- like redeem himself from the last game. Bigger's going to get some more game time after recovery from a HIA and resume his partnership with uh, Reese Webb when they play together in uh, for Wales internationally. Uh, interesting front row. So two English props, uh, Marler and Sinclair, either side of best. Big second row, really big second row of Laws and Henderson. And Laws put himself about a lot in that last game that he played in. Big hitting, carrying through. So And then Haskell Warburton and Stander. So no lack of ball-carrying ability there. And then players like Daly to come off the bench. You've also then got Tipuric to come off the bench. So it should be pretty interesting. But um, the Highlanders have like New Zealand players like uh, Naholo, who's the winger. He's fantastic. Um, Linnett Brown, well, Whitelock again, you know, his brother. It's going to be amazing. And actually, that's one thing I forgot to say about the game against the Crusaders is that despite the All Blacks having almost like a New Zealand front five starting international one, they really did like start to dominate them, which was really impressive. And the French ref- and the crowd were like baying for like, why is this happening? What's going on? Well, fair play to that referee. He stood up to them and he actually ruled it according to the laws of the game. He didn't just subdue himself to the New Zealand crowd like a lot do. He was like, no, these are the rules. You're infringing. Off you go. Penalties. Um, and the good news is French referees love a scrum and they're going to be in charge for most of the tests on the tour. So that could be a potential really big point for the Lions to kind of dominate and get in and start to cause real trouble for the All Blacks there. Um, and it could give them a platform in front foot and they dominated the line out as well. So with that, Cruz could have, George Cruz could have played himself into the starting 15 
which is really impressive considering you miss he, he missed the Six Nations. He only got back at the end of the season. He's not had like a lot of time to get his fitness back, but he's looking right back up to form, which is great news for um for the British and Irish Lions. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the Highlanders game. It should be interesting with some players really needing to put their hand up. So Warburton needs a really big game to fight off uh, Sean O'Brien. It'd be interesting. Webb to kind of put challenge and pressure on uh, Connor Murray. Jack now will want to get back to it. Sinclair again could be an outside chance for that bench spot for the Lions. Uh, come off, make an impact. So we'll see what he can do from the start. It should be should be pretty interesting. Um, and then so yeah, best of luck. We'll keep it. We'll keep you kind of abreast with that, and we'll see how that goes. Um, and then the other real sort of big game for me at the weekend was um, the England tour to Argentina for two tests. England missing, I think it's up to 30 players through the Lions tour and injuries and stuff like that. So a lot of like unknown players in there. Whereas some like potential 11 first time caps that could have, you know, been involved with the uh, with the team, not just um, on the starting lineup, but coming off the bench as well. So first time caps were going to be Alex Lozowski, um, Harry Williams, Mark Wilson, Tom Curry, Jack Singleton, Matt, uh, not Matt Mullen, he's got 15-odd, uh, Will Collier, Nicky Sakewa, Don Arman, Jack Maunder, Piers Francis, and Denny Solomono. See, you just hear me running through that from Jack Singleton onwards. So on the bench, it was only Matt Mullen who'd previously been capped by England, and he had 15, so not even a huge amount of experience. And then, um, you know, it was a risky playing like three ball players at fly half inside and outside center. So that, you know, I sort of felt it could be a little bit lightweight. I wasn't too sure how they'd kind of blend and go with that. But I was really pleased to see Mark Wilson get a call up and get a start. And he's someone who I've been uh, banging on and rattling on about on this podcast for a while now. Completely underrated in my mind. But really stood up to it. And Argentina had all their experienced internationals. They all play for the uh, Jaguars in the Super Rugby at the minute. So they know each other inside out. They've really developed the game since being involved with Super Rugby in terms of being able to identify space on counter-attacks and score a lot of stunning first-phase tries. Um, so it was going to be a massive challenge. And I would, I was like, oh, if, they, if England lose, you know, ever the pessimistic England fan, right? I was like, if they were ever, if they were going to lose by less than ten, I'd be happy, because of just the difference in experience and frontline players missing and things like that. But my God, did you know it was a, a crazy game? It was end to end. It was incredible rugby, um, and just absolutely bonkers. The lead changed so many times, but uh, one, the Henry Slade, tr- uh, like show and go, and then the kick through for the try for um, Johnny May was stunning. Ellis Genge played, he had a tough time in the scrum, but he carried well and got a couple of turnovers. Super impressed with Harry Williams in his first start. I thought scrum, he held it up nicely. Some really big hits and tackles. Launchbury, well, he, you know, he continues on being excellent as usual. I've talked about Mark Wilson, great. Loads of tackles, a couple of turnovers. I think he was the highest tackler of the night, was 16, something like that. Nathan Hughes picked up exactly where he left off at the end of the Aviva Premiership. Um, Tom Curry, yeah, youngest England debutant since 1917 or some some 927. It was 90 years, um, but he was the youngest player to get a cap from England since Johnny Wilkinson made his debut on the wing. Um, so you can imagine, and it's not as if you can kind of 
if you're a back you can and you're brought on on the wing you're kind of away from the physicality a bit as an 18 year old but Tom Curry played open side flanker so he was going to be right in the midst of all the physical stuff there was no way of protecting him he was he had to get in there he's going to be yeah completely destroyed this morning but no doubt with a beaming smile on his face because he was in my mind he was fantastic like three or four turnovers I think it was disruptive defense really slowing down rooks hitting some good lines on running um and he just started to tire out towards the end of the game which you'd expect with some of these really big experienced pros kind of about and that's why Don Armand was brought on but yeah Piers Francis a couple of really key interactions one of them with George Ford for George Ford's try and then not only that him and another new cap Jack Maunder combined to set Denny Solomono through and away for just an absolutely amazing try um some like 60 meters he had three Argentine defenders around him at one point boshed one of them off sent the other two the wrong way and then did a handoff off uh Tukule to go under the post to win the game so basically put it as a, a final score of um 38 to 34 so a high scoring game plenty of craziness in there George Ford played really well. I mean, I was saying to my wife whilst watching it, I was like, it looks like George Ford, someone has taught George Ford how to kick off a tee because he was getting kicks over all over the place. He was like trying them for 45 minutes out. I was like, never is he going to get that. But he got it. What composure. Good try. Um, He looks like the player he always promised to be. And if you listen to previous podcasts, I've probably been a bit harsh on him. I didn't think he, you know, I didn't really believe the hype. But based on... <coughs> excuse me but based on that performance if he plays like that for less than next year they're going to be absolutely flying especially with Matt Tuma, uh, Tumua and um, Manu Tualagi and all those kind of guys outside him as well it's going to be super interesting but that was a great great performance and um, the only player not to get a cap off the bench I think was Jack Singleton so congratulations to all the first-time caps uh, who got them. So Lazowski, um, Harry Williams, Mark Wilson, Tom Curry, Will Collier, Nicky Sakewa, Don Armand, Jack Maunder, Piers Francis, and Denny Solomona. So um, roll on kind of next week for that one. That's going to be interesting because Argentina are going to be absolutely smart in and they're going to want to cut England in half because they don't want to lose 2-0 at home to England's second or possibly third string. No way are they going to want to do that. Um, But what it does highlight is the amazing strength and depth for the England side, especially with the development pathways coming through with a number of these guys still. So Curry and Isakewa could have still, and yeah, Maunda I think as well, could have still been playing for the England under-20s world championship that's going on at the minute. I, I mean, that just shows the kind of pipeline that's coming through and the fast-track development of some of these players with their clubs. And it bodes super well for the new season, um, which is going to be extremely exciting indeed. So really looking forward to seeing how that kind of progresses in the next game and see who's going to be starting, see if maybe Ben Curry for sale. So I've got a little sale bias as a big sale fan. But maybe Ben Curry might be able to start if his back recovers in time. And it'd be good to see how he goes because I can only imagine the kind of competition with his twin brother that must be going on right now. Um, So, yeah, okay. So then the final thing really is the Aviva Premiership final, uh, which was Wasps versus Exeter. And it was, it's fair to say, a hell of a game. Um, It went past the 80 minutes. It went into extra time. And... 
you know, Exeter saved themselves at the end of the 80 minutes by getting a kickable kind of uh, penalty to take it to 2020. Um, and I believe it was like the 78th minute or something like that. And then, you know, Exeter just ratcheted it up. They just kept kind of going and going and going. They must have learned their lesson from the last Aviva Premiership final last season where they ended up losing to Saracens because they didn't get involved in the game at all until the 60th minute. This time they came storming out the blocks and Wasps kind of were just holding on with incredible massive hits by Nathan Hughes and um, Launchbury. And, you know, actually even saw Cipriani put a massive hit on, which was really impressive. Um, But at the end, they just had too much and they ended up winning in overtime 20 to 23 for their first ever uh, premiership championship which is incredible considering only five years ago were they promoted to the premiership and there were players like Phil Dolman scored in this final he was with them when they weren't in the premiership same with Ben Moon uh, didn't score in the final but was with them before they're in the premiership and with Gareth Steenson as well so that, and it was also a goodbye to Jeff Parling a British and Irish line who's off to Japan and then to uh, Australia uh, for next season but it was, it was Ollie Devoto played really well in this game as well. Actually, he started to realise he's a big guy who can run over people, um, and he really started putting it about, which was great to see. And yeah, congratulations to Exeter. I'm sure the the buses all the way back to Devon were partying like there was no tomorrow. So, um, so yeah, so roll on for next week is uh, the Lions, so the Highlanders they're playing, and then. Uh, I think there's one more game before the first test, but I can't at this moment in time remember who it's against. I think it might be the Hurricanes or the Chiefs. Um, and we'll have to see how it goes, but I'll keep you posted with the, how it goes and what my thoughts are, especially as we're leading into the first test with who I think the starting 15 will be and who can be on the bench as well. But um, anyway, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Subscribe, rate it in iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Springall, facebook.com slash views from the line out. And that's it. So until next time, enjoy the rugby.